Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 59 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Bill Wagner. Bill is one of the world's foremost C-sharp developers and a member of the ECMA C-Sharp Standards Committee. He is currently with Microsoft, working on the .NET Core content team. Bill is also an author, blogger, and creator of learning materials for developers interested in the C-Sharp language and .NET Core. So Bill, can I ask you to enter that intro by telling us a little bit more about yourself? <laughs> that sums it up pretty well. Um, I spend most of my time creating materials that help people learn software development, or C-sharp and .NET in particular. And uh, that's a great way to spend my time. I find I've been creating software for a long time, and teaching others is a fantastic way for me to to help contribute now. So you're, you're working at Microsoft at the moment? Yes, that's correct. And how long have you been, been with them? Uh, almost two years. Right. Can you maybe share a unique career tip with the IT Career Energizer audience, one they need to know and possibly don't? Sure. Um, I think this relates well to how I ended up at Microsoft. Is um, One of the things that I will often do is spend some time doing some mind mapping about where I'm at in my career, the things I'm doing right now, what I like about it, what I don't like about it, and what my dream job is if I were to define that for me right now. And then I look at those two mind maps together and I can try to pick out a way to get from where I am to where I want to be. Um, and in terms of getting to Microsoft where that happened was I had been, after selling a consulting company, um, because I was finding that I was spending way too much of my time doing business development and finding projects and keeping teams busy and not enough time actually building software or designing software. And after selling the company, I um, started doing a lot of teaching either for a company in Detroit called Grand Circus that runs boot camps, or for other companies that were trying to make a shift in technology. And after doing that for a while, kept looking, kept watching different opportunities and combining the things I really love with writing about software, teaching others about software development. A job that I really like opened up at Microsoft where that is my main focus. I am writing the documentation that goes in the C-sharp and .NET Core guides that help developers create software using C-sharp and .NET. Can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Um, 
you know, it's I, I've actually learned the same lesson probably two or three times. Um, in that early on in my career, starting to move up a little bit, I uh, became a team leader, and it was by far the worst decision I made. Uh, you know, for me personally, in that I was spending all of my work day during the day in meetings with team members, meetings with other managers, meetings with my management, meetings with the product team owner and, and so on and so forth. So most of the day was spent in meetings. And then I would come home and because I really enjoyed writing software, I would spend most of my night writing software. And at this time I'd been married probably two or three years. Um, I think we'd had our first child and it was just all of my time was spent in front of the computer, either at work or then coming home and putting in a full another shift writing software. And I had to get out of that and then went into consulting independently so I could spend more of my time writing the software and a lot less finding, you know, in, in, in meetings and worrying about what to do. Um, so that was probably one of the, the biggest low points. Do you, do you feel you learn something about yourself in terms of where your skill set is and what you, you like to do? That was definitely it. You know, and it, and as I say, I had to learn that lesson a few other times. Uh, then after consulting, started a consulting company, which grew to about 25 people. And at that point, all of your time as, you know, the, one of the leadership and the founders of this company is finding the next project for one of your, one of your teams. Uh, so I didn't have any hands-on work at all, even at a design level with any of our software, uh, which was pretty miserable. Yeah. And um, as I said, that that definitely is that lesson that says, no, I have to find the tasks that I really enjoy it makes it fun to get up, fun to do the work. And then by the end of the day, you feel like you've really accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. And then I can put it away, you know, and then enjoy time with the family, enjoy reading or something that's not software for the, for the other part of the day that I'm awake. Yeah. You definitely need to have that downtime and, and a chance, as you say, to be with your family and enjoy that as much as anything else. Can you maybe take us to your career highlight or greatest success and tell us about that? I uh, really, really enjoyed and, and think very highly of the response I got from the first Effective C-Show. The time was right. Uh, Scott Myers is a very, very uh, intelligent software person and a great mentor in terms of making sure that what I wrote was very clear and very on point and did not waste the reader's time anywhere. Um, and the second one, especially the more effective C-sharp, was one where I was working on the book and I was partway through and I had an outline and deadlines and everything and went to the Microsoft PDC in 2005, I believe. And this is where Anders Helsberg announced Link. So it was the first time any of us had ever seen that. And I'm sitting in the keynote going, wow, this is awesome. And then 
An hour later, I realized that most of my outline and what I wanted to cover in more effective C-sharp is now pointless, and I should totally rework everything, um, other than the parts that I'd already written on generics. And I got into a lengthy, time-consuming argument with my editor, who had already started to commit some of the company resources to printing and editing and going through that publication process. And I kept arguing and kept going, the only way this book sells is if it covers Link well. And she finally agreed to extending the deadline. And I had to work with all the betas to try to get that book out covering C-sharp 3 language features and Link pretty close to the time the language itself shipped. And uh, we managed to hit it. I still think it's some of the best writing I've done, uh, even that many years ago. And uh, just updated that book. Um, More Effective C-sharp 2nd Edition just came out with a lot of content from C-sharp 7. And I, I do think that was definitely one of the, one of the key high points to what I've done in software. Yeah, it must have made a big difference to the way the book was received as well. I think it did. I think without having that content, it would have had a very, very short shelf life. So what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? You know, the thing that I find most exciting is that IT has now become a utility for companies in that, you know, you can see this in terms of economic development and starting to see it in terms of government and education policy, and especially, like I said, in, in economic development policy. Uh, you know, if you go back, say, 50, 60, 70 years, you know, where would a company locate? And it was where they could find, you know, high quality, really, you know, inexpensive electricity generation. You're on the grid, you're close to transport, you're close to maybe an airport or whatever it was, depending on what that company was. And if you look at where companies are going to locate now, one of the key factors is, do I have IT talent? You know, if I, I mean, some of the historical ones are still important, right? You know, you have to have electricity, you have to have infrastructure and so on. But those every place has, the differentiator now is, can I find the software people that I need to run my business? And that's for every business sector. So IT is really changing everything to where everybody's an IT company, despite what their particular business model is. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think there's, there's definitely a shift, isn't there, in terms of the IT platform is what enables them to do their business. And therefore, as you say, they are becoming IT IT companies which work in a particular business area. Right. And I think where that is even, you know, starting to now shift in a, a second generation shift is that IT is becoming one of those things like legal and accounting that is just a talent you have to have. Yes. Do you foresee um, sort of almost the demise of, of the way um, cities work? Um, in terms of the the fact that there's so much capability now to do things like remote working, that the need to everybody to travel into a city to work together is becoming less of a, a requirement. That I think is a really interesting question, and I, which is a you know a very professional way of saying I don't know, uh, 
because because <laughs> what I find interesting about that is on the one hand, we have great remote remote tools for everything. Uh, most of my team is remote. You know, we have people near Kansas City, Madison, Wisconsin. Some of them travel internationally often. Um, my team and my management is in Redmond. I'm in New England. And it really doesn't impact productivity at all. Yeah, as I say, on the other hand, we have this human need to have rich interaction with other people. And that's an interesting thing to see in, in that. How do we keep that rich interaction with our teammates and our, our friends and colleagues if we're not physically in the same location? Yeah. And then you turn to things like collaboration tools, I suppose, where you're looking at obvious things like Skype and maybe appear in as examples and Slack and, and all these tools that we we can now use to stay in communication with each other all the time. Right. And the, but those are still also in some ways a pale comparison in that, you know, I can be productive chatting on Skype and Skype and video and whatever, but to get a team to really, really bond you know, let's let's have dinner together, have some pizza and some beer and soft drinks and, you know, maybe play darts, maybe play some board games, whatever it is that works for your team, for different people on that team. But especially that idea of let's have dinner together and just chat for a couple hours. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I don't think there is any substitution for that, that actual face-to-face interaction. I don't think you can get away from it. So there is no substitute for being in the same place as, as other people. Right. And I think what we're going to see, if I were to make a prediction, is that work will get remote and more and more is going to be possible, but that teams will do whatever they can to get together periodically and have that strong team interaction that really is going to drive collaboration and drive the kind of cohesion you want from a team. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Oh, sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I was in college. I was in my first semester, and I was at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Just as a sidelight of trivia, 25 years ago today, they released Mosaic, the first browser. Uh, And um, I was accepted and was in the mechanical engineering major. And in the first semester, I went, you know, I like this computer stuff a whole lot more and switched majors. And I've never looked back. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Don't take advice from idiots. Um, and (laughs) so, and and to expound on that as to what uh, a mentor of mine meant by that is he helped me get started writing for magazines and such. And uh, Richard Hale Shaw uh, used to write with Charles Petzold for PC Magazine way back in the early 90s. And I was writing and doing some things, and I told him I wanted to write a book. And he flat out refused to help me. And he said, the reason I won't is, he said, I've never written a book. So I'm going to introduce you to Bruce Eckel and Scott Myers, who've written books and can help you. Because you don't want to take advice from, you know, now it would be random people on the internet who have never done what you're trying to do. So always seek out mentors that can help you get to where you're going because they've done something like it. Yes. 
If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? In today's world? Um, wow. I would um, really, really invest in AI and machine learning, especially with an emphasis on the ethics around machine learning. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? For me, I I am really at a point where I think the best contribution I can make is teaching others. In that, uh, you know, as you get more more experienced, if you want to be an individual contributor, which is what I like doing, you have to scale, and the only way to scale is by teaching others. Bill, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Have a lot of fun. And if you don't enjoy what you're doing, constantly look and keep your eyes open for what would I enjoy more than what I'm doing now? Because there are so many opportunities. You should not be wasting your time doing things you really don't like. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Bill Wagner. My blog or post new significant articles or anything about books or speaking engagements. So that would certainly be the best way to find me on the web and connect with me there. Brilliant. Bill, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, thank you, Phil. My thanks to Bill for being my guest on today's show. And apologies for the slight loss of audio towards the end of the interview. If you want to know more about Bill, you can visit his website at thebillwagner.com and you can find full show notes for today's episode on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e59. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Jeremy Lickness, a senior cloud developer advocate and author of several books about developing applications. You can get this and other future episodes automatically downloaded and available to play by simply subscribing to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.